Alright, welcome back to video games, everybody. This is Backlit Games, the weekly video game podcast that only talks about good news. Good video game news. It's going to be a very... No, okay, no. I can't... I can't lie. It's been a rough week in video games. It's been a rough week in video games, but... We're going to uh, we're going to make a little bit of a bad news sandwich here. We'll start off with some good news. We're going to talk a little bit of Dead Space remake. We're going to talk, then we're going to get into like some of the Ubisoft Skull and Bones development hell, toxic workplace allegations. We're going to talk Activision Blizzard and the uh, harassment and discrimination allegations. Then we're going to get into our topic of the show, where we talk about when do we let a series die. And then we're going to get into some of the video games that we're playing. Um, so yeah, welcome back. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Jordan Raddick. Jordan, thank you again for joining me. So j- just to be clear real quick, our lineup this week is Death, Skulls and Bones, Toxicness, mm-hmm. Sexual Harassment, and when is the time to let something die? Yeah. What a, oh. what a lovely, lovely lineup of topics we have. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the games I'm playing is called Death Store. So, I mean, <laughs> we're mm. keeping it all all th- thematic around I'm, that. I'm glad that I decided not to start A Plague's Tale this week like I had planned. <laughs> I, I didn't think yeah. we needed to add any, any more depressingness. Oh, my God. No. It's been a rough week in the industry. And, um... Like, I was telling Jordan before we started recording, you know, like, I, I tune into, like, some other video game podcasts. I I do a lot of, like, reading um, that's, like, involved with the industry and stuff. And <laughs> Buddy, I, I told you I'm on a call. You have to, uh, you have to wait for ice cream. <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Sorry about that. Ice cream never sleeps when you're six. Ice, so. ice cream never sleeps. Um... <laughs> But yeah, a lot of the other like uh, media that I consume, at least as far as like video games go, it seems like they want to like stick to like the fun aspect of things, which is fine. Like I totally understand that desire because video games are fun. It's an entertainment medium, you know, but um, as as someone who deeply loves like not only video games, but also like the industry that creates this uh, art form, I feel like you, you shouldn't really ignore this sort of stuff. And it's been, aside from some of these heavier topics, it's been a pretty slow news week. So we're definitely going to bring up some um, potentially uncomfortable topics. Um, So this is kind of like our trigger warning, I guess. We are going to eventually be getting into a little bit of, um, you know, sexual harassment, uh, discrimination, a lot of stuff along those lines. Yeah, I would uh, I would say trigger warnings for um, survivors of sexual assault, yeah. uh, survivors of people who have loved ones that have committed suicide, um, yeah. anybody who's been harassed in the workplace or discriminated against either for their race, gender, uh, sexual orientation. Yeah. Uh, just uh, anybody who has ever bought a Ubisoft game uh, so. <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna really kind of dive into a lot of it because i feel like it needs to be talked about um we are gonna talk about some lighter stuff first too um so 
let's just let's just get right into that. But then after that, if you want to skip ahead a little bit towards the end of the show and tune into what we've been playing and games that, you know, franchises we think need to just kind of go away, then yeah, come on back for that. But if uh, this heavy stuff isn't for you, I can't blame you. So we will not be offended at all. Yeah, we will not be offended. But first, uh, Dead Space Remake was announced. EA announced the resurrection of the long-dormant franchise Dead Space during their EA Play showcase on Thursday. Um, it's a complete remake of the first game from the ground up using their newest iteration of the Frostbite engine. Um, this isn't a total surprise. I don't think this rumblings of this have been going around for months now. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, they all but confirmed it, and it's been leaked, like, so much. But now it's a exciting confirmation for fans of the series. Um, what are your thoughts on this news, Jordan? Uh, do you have any history with the Dead Space franchise? So I started working at GameStop right before Dead Space 3 came out. Okay. And um, just remember... A lot of fans of the game uh, trying to return copies of three that they were okay. they were fairly disappointed in, mm -hmm. um, and then being more disappointed with me because of GameStop's return policy. But that's that's a different subject. Uh, personally, <laughs> I I haven't played um, any of the Dead Space games, but I do think that there is a a need for a a sci-fi horror uh, game right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that. Returnal kind of scratched that itch, but for yeah. for a lot of people, um, they got turned off by like the roguelite aspect of it, which I, mm -hmm. I totally understand because that's an, it's an incredibly frustrating, yeah, sort it's of genre. It's not for everyone. Yeah, it's not for everyone. Um, but I think that uh, the last like big sort of like sci-fi horror game that like I can think of that comes to mind, anyways, is like the Alien. What is what is it? Uh, uh, isolation. Yeah, isolation was the one that mm -hmm. had the the bugged AI of the actual alien that followed you around, and then Colonial Marines yeah. was the one that Gearbox was like siphoning money from in order to fund Borderlands stuff, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something um, like that was going on with that. Yeah. So there, other other than Returnal, which has been a big hit for you know Sony and for the PS5, as they say, according to them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there is definitely like this scratches that itch for a lot of people. I know that myself having just played through like the, the mass effect series, I really want like another like big budget triple a sci-fi game right now. Like I'm, yeah. I'm really ready for that. Um, so I, I've even been waiting for like the outer worlds to go on like another deep sale. Cause it's, it's on sale all the time. So mm -hmm. as soon as that's on a deep sale, I haven't played that yet. So I'm going to, you know, patient gamer play through that and all oh, the DLC. Yeah. Um, cause I've heard that one's, that's fairly quick also. And that's the, the mm -hmm. new Vegas team that did that. So yeah. Um, yep. Obsidian. Yeah. But back to, to dead space, I've, I've heard the first two games are, are loved by, mm -hmm. by everybody who's played them. Um, they're incredible. And I think that, I think that this definitely has like a place, but I, going back to our conversation last week, I am upset that it's. A remake it is mm -hmm. a they they did confirm it's not a it's not a remaster it's a ground up remake of the game mm -hmm. um but i again i you know i and we can get into this later about when is the time to let a series die maybe if you know if 
Dead Space 3 concludes in a way that you can't move forward with a Dead Space 4. That's fine. But I, mm-hmm. I it's just I, uh, unfortunate to see them retreading old, old waters. Old, yeah, old waters yeah, when they, I, they, they could have iterated on something new and, and done a, a new sci-fi horror space kind yeah. of game. Yeah, exactly. Or to even just like have it be like a reboot of the series, you know, because mm-hmm. like Dead Space, that is a I mean, in the games industry, that's a household name, you know, so yeah. like you that's a very recognizable property. And so to reboot it, I feel like would be even more exciting news, especially for fans of the series. I've personally um, much like you, I, I've never really played the games. I don't really do spooky games, to be completely honest. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big old scaredy cat yeah. when it comes to s- spooky games. I, I also do a lot of my gaming in the dark, um, mm-hmm. just for to kind of really like immerse myself and sort of have glare on, on my mm-hmm. screen and stuff like that. And so yeah, I don't I don't do a lot of a lot of spooky games either. Yeah. I, I did Resident Evil 7 with my girlfriend, but that's because she likes the spooky stuff. So yeah, was... yeah. I I can only experience those things when I'm with someone else who enjoys those things. Yes. In because <laughs> um, then uh, there's like safety in numbers, that yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> and and she, you know, she enjoys like the jump scare aspect and like the mm-hmm. the anxiety that you get from. Ooh, I hate that. From... It's the jump scare that I hate the most. Yeah. <laughs> but it 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 makes me feel better about like how jumpy I get from it, like when I'm with her. Because mm-hmm. she's also jumpy, so like I'm like, oh, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 we're good. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> but I've always loved horror aesthetic, and I love sci-fi horror a lot, like mm-hmm. that aesthetic. Um, so I would be excited to like watch this game get played, you know, on Twitch. Somebody with a rig who can like run it at like high settings. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like that's what. Okay, so. So um, it was originally developed by Vis- Visceral Games, uh, a studio that they're no longer around. EA acquired them and then dissolved them and kind of just moved them all throughout different EA studios. Um, and now EA Motive, uh, who is previously responsible for making Star Wars Battlefront 2 and Star Wars Squadrons, they're going to be they're in charge of the remake. And they've been working on it for the last like two or three years now or something along those lines. Um, so it's but because look of fantastic. Yeah, it's going to look really yeah. good. I mean, Frostbite as an engine, like, there are, you can make arguments about whether or not it works for everything EA does, um, because they kind of just use it for just about everything, and it doesn't always seem to, like, work the best in certain situations. But it's a gore, like, when it does work, um, it looks amazing. It makes their games look great. And um, I think this game's gonna look really nice, and it always, it all, it always did look good, like even for the time. And I'm, but I'm excited though with this news because apparently EA Motive they wanted to wait for its launch specifically for next gen consoles mm-hmm. because they had a lot of access to like pre development like concept art and like levels and like shit that had to get cut from the final product because of the limitation of the consoles at the time. Um, And so now the game is not only just like a remake from the ground up, it's also like a re-realization of what the game is sort of thing, because they're going to be able to take those concepts that had to be ditched because of, you know, because of the hardware limitations and then 
you know, not really have to ditch those, not really have to limit themselves in that way. Um, so that's exciting. And uh, my my question, though, as far as like this game goes uh, with EA Motive being primarily an, an action based game studio and with Dead Space like two and three being more action oriented games. Um, Dead Space 1, when it first came out, was mostly horror. Like, there's action in it, but it was it leaned more into the horror survival aspect of it. Do you think that EA will probably want this game to lean more into, like, the action aspect of it? I, I, think, I think EA will, um, yeah. because I think that that's what EA does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that 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 is what the frostbite engine does also yeah um i mean if you go back to the report a couple of years ago um that I, I believe jason schreier did on kotaku about andromeda's development one of the big mm-hmm. problems they had making mass effect andromeda was the frostbite engine and they said that it couldn't do simple things like track a player's inventory or you know um manage party members which i don't think you do that in dead space but you know yeah simple things that are are fairly common in a lot of games now yeah um even they also said that it had a lot of difficulties related to animation uh so it's been um they've had it attached to an animation system called ant since then Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure that you know this is a newer frostbite engine because that report was four years ago so this is the newest version they've said of their frostbite engine so i'm you want to believe that they have learned from past mistakes, you know, and and saw the failures and the problems with Andromeda and are correcting a lot of those um, if they really want to go all in on this engine for their games, which it kind of yeah. seems like they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to that. I I would love to see them go much more all in on the horror and make it just terrifying like absolutely like like can't play it in front of my kids or like at night terrifying yeah um and i say that because it's very hard for me to get my girlfriend to play video games but Mm -hmm. she loves like scary movies and stuff like that um and so i could probably get her into that you know and i like watching her play video games because it's she barely knows how to hold a controller so it's really fun so i think (laughs) i think combining the all of these elements together would make for a raucous good time especially you throw some tequila in yeah exactly (laughs) um so that's my personal hope is that they go all in on the horror aspect just from a (laughs) from a very selfish kind of standpoint for me but knowing knowing ea's mo and knowing the kind of games that they make and that they specialize in especially with you know, the tools that they're using to make this, I do mm-hmm. think it's going to be much more focused on like a third person shooter aspect than the horror. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's definitely the shift that they did from one to two, like two definitely was more actiony feeling like it was still a horror space horror game, but um, it was definitely more action focused. And, uh, and honestly, like the fans of these games um, two two's beloved, People love two a lot. A lot of people even love two more than one. Although you do have like a diehard hand, uh, a diehard 
fan base who says you know one is like the best right but um but yeah a lot of people love two like even more than one and three is relatively not liked that yeah. much <laughs> very very lukewarm reception of yeah. three yeah but um i think this is exciting news uh just you know let's let's get this game out there see how well it does and maybe this leads to a reboot of the franchise like just with something new in that world you know i think that would be exciting i think i think if if the remake sells well i think that that's what they'll do they would probably i would imagine then release two and three as like a dual pack that you can buy and announce a, a fourth game or something like that I don't yeah. I can't imagine they would remake all three games and then go in on a fourth. I think you're Who knows though? I mean like like what Resident Evil's doing right now, you know, like how they're doing those full-blown remakes. And... That's true. And concurrently releasing new new entries as well, so Exactly. So, Which... it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward with this series. Didn't they already remake Resident Evil 1 on GameCube also? Like yeah, I don't remember if that was a remake or just like a, you know, like a uh, remaster or, man, going back into the last episode, how is how do you even keep track of that? It's so hard. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really have much more to say to this. I don't have, I'm not too closely tied to the series, um, but I've always loved the setting. I'm a sucker for sci-fi games, just love it. And then sci-fi horror, I love that aesthetic. Um, I'm just a big old scaredy cat, so yeah. I'll be experiencing this game through someone else playing it, probably. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the closest thing to like a horror game that I uh, I really enjoy is like Bioshock. So, yeah. 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 Bring back Bioshock. Next piece of news we've got ubisoft skull and bones development hell and toxic worse workplace allegations so uh, kotaku.com recently shared two different reports coming out of ubisoft singapore one detailing the eight-year nightmare that has been the development hell of skull and bones and the other allegations of tox toxic workplace culture among other things that we'll get into um, so basically, uh, Skull and Bones started in 2013 as an expansion to Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Um, did you play that game, Jordan? Um, I played it for like... <laughs> Anyone's listening, they're going to hate me. I played this game for like 15 minutes and was like, man, this is cool. Really makes me want to go play Wind Waker. <laughs> and then I, went, <laughs> and I went and played Wind Waker instead. <laughs> and every time I see this game, I'm like, damn, I really want to go play Wind Waker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I played it a little bit more than that, but I didn't play it all the way through. But um, I did thoroughly enjoy the sailing and the boat mechanics. Like, it was a lot of fun. Um especially for its time like that was pretty pretty well done pretty polished pretty new um in the AAA space um and it was a lot of fun and uh so apparently like with this report that game or this was just going to be an expansion skull and bones was 
And then it eventually kind of evolved into um, this concept of like being its own online MMO-like service game. But this report coming out of Kotaku basically just highlights a bunch of employees detailing like lack of vision and coordination, constant changes in leadership. The report uh, details four or five different like core ideas that the game was like, yeah. like within the, the span of its development. And, yeah. and that's because they kept having their um, creative directors leave. They had other creative directors come in and then they left and went on to do other things. And then that spot got filled by a new creative director. And every time a new creative director came in, the kind of core and shape of what this game was changed because that person's in charge of in charge of creative director yeah. <laughs> like of the game. So it a lot changed. And I imagine a lot of like work like kind of just went into a folder and just forever it's just forever gone you're never going to see it these people working on these things for months or even years someone will post and then it on it just their gets... deviant art page in like yeah. five or six years some some concept artist will be like you guys remember skull and bones yeah yeah exactly um so i mean just a lot of these changes in leadership also changed the design along the way and I mean, the game now at this point, like it's been delayed four separate times in just three years. Um, uh, the the report goes on to like highlight how little confidence the staff has that the game will actually be ready for its current release date, which I believe it said was February 2022. I'm not 100% on that. Somewhere around there. Uh, it's, um, it's now March 2023, I believe. Oh, okay. The... So it got pushed back again from that one. <clears throat> Yes, let me double check. I've, I've got the article. My dog is is smashing at my hands. Uh, yes, it's now due to come out uh, before before March twenty twenty three. Okay. Which, what? I mean, technically, that was all of its previous dates. <laughs> yeah. Right. All all of its dates have been before March twenty twenty three. Um, but it's like overspent all of its budget of like a hundred and twenty plus million dollars. And Ubisoft seems like at this point obligated to finish the game per some kind of contract that they have with the Singapore government. Which, and, that sounds like a, I'm sorry, just keep your politics out of my video games, right? Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real. Um, but it just sounds like just, so this is just the development hell right now for this studio in Singapore sounds like a total nightmare eight years of this happening and then a separate report comes out which details not only this development hell but a toxic culture sexual harassment racial pay disparity at ubisoft singapore where like there were there were like um other people who were being relocated to ubisoft singapore being paid more than like locals at Ubisoft Singapore and it just sounds it sounds awful it just yeah it's uh the article claims uh, a lot of different things such as the pay gap being between five thousand and ten thousand dollars per year in many instances yeah. um with examples of wider disparities and some senior managers are paid significantly more than those at uh, other Ubisoft branches like Ubisoft Montreal as well yeah um yeah 
I'm seeing the article also says there's allegedly a, quote, French ceiling, making it harder for anyone not from France or fluent in the language to succeed. Um, So, I mean, that would be particularly true for Southeast Asian employees or women. And I'm uh, just so everybody knows, I'm reading from the uh, gamesindustry.biz version of the article. The original article was posted on Kotaku, which is... um, the full report, which goes into a lot more detail. Yeah, it's there. There's clearly, um, and we'll get into obviously it real quickly here uh, that there's an issue um, at large in, I think not only the games industry but in media, the the media industry. Um, yeah, you know, and I I think that this is just one more example of of people kind of it's 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 like get like does it is it like one of those ends justify the means sort of things like what you can't be a creative genius with you know most creative geniuses are are a little off that sort of excuse that we've always given like artists that sort of thing i think more than anything what it is is it's and I, I know what this is going to sound like, and I'm going to I'm going to say it anyways. Yeah. It's it's money getting in, and management getting in the way of art and the product and the 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 ground level people who create this thing and mm-hmm. and then exploiting them in a multitude of different ways, whether that's yeah. exploiting. I mean, whether you're exploiting somebody's labor or exploiting them sexually, you're exploiting their body one way or another. So yeah. I think that and it, it's a lot of these companies who, you know, it, rather than com- spend the time and the money and the resources now to combat these allegations and to kind of nip it in the bud and end it right then and there and hold the people responsible accountable, um, they'd rather wait until they're forced to years down the line Mm -hmm. because then they can just settle and you know money in the future doesn't exist it's the money now that matters especially if you're a public company with shareholders and you have to report this shit like right you know they don't care about those future meetings they care about right now and these upper level management people and executives a lot of them bounce around so often so quickly that (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's somebody else's problem. Yep. Someone else will be there when the scandal hits, you know. Exactly. So So this is um, leading kind of into our next report, which is quite frankly, like even more disgusting. Um, This one, not to undercut this one at all. This is disgusting. I mean, it's very similar. Whoa. (laughs) My my dog accidentally bit himself. Goodness. (laughs) It was... He was scared the shit out of me. <laughs> he was biting his his nail and he bit himself too much. Goodness boy. <laughs> oh. Um but yeah, this it's like you were saying this is a rampant issue in like entertainment media like across the board. Um but it is a huge issue in the games industry too and um it leads us to our next report which uh is not a fun one to talk about but um it should be and that is a lawsuit filed against Activision Blizzard for harassment and discrimination against women. 
Uh, so the Department of Fair Employment and Housing in the state of California has sued one of the largest video game developers and publishers in the world, Activision Blizzard, for discrimination and violation of the FEHA, that is the Fair Employment and Housing Act. Uh, this comes as a result of a two-year investigation by the DFEH, uh, one of the first state-led invest investigations and lawsuits of its kind, at least within the gaming industry. It's not very often that you see the state get involved um, in things like this. I don't think I... As far as I can remember, I don't think I've seen the state get involved in any... Anything like this in yeah. particular, you normally see it when it's like contract based or unpaid labor and that sort of thing. But as far as like something um, like harassment and discrimination, uh, the state hasn't really gotten involved. The closest thing I would say um, is what was going on with Riot Games uh, several years ago, but that wasn't the state getting involved. That was a class action lawsuit. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, yeah, this is like the first of its kind, and it's massive. Um, I, I and think gover the maybe not the, the state, but I know governments have gotten involved when it comes to like loot boxes and stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, that usually, um, a lot of the time, the industry as a whole comes together to like change, uh, like regulate that themselves. And then the government kind of falls away yeah. from that. They kind of go away after that. Um, but... Yeah, not this time. Um, this investigation's been going for two years now. Um, and quite frankly, Activision Blizzard is being accused of a lot. Um, so let's just kind of get into those accusations here in the lawsuit. Discrimination against female employees in terms of conditions of employment, including compensation, assignment, promotion, termination, constructive discharge, and retaliation. Um, apparently male employees were sexual, uh, male employees sexually harassed female employees and Blizzard ignored the situation repeatedly. Um, they were paying female employees less than male employees for substantially similar work, which is against the law. Um, apparently there was a frat boy-like environment with what included cube crawls, quote unquote cube crawls where male employees would get progressively more and more drunk throughout the day or night or whenever this thing happened, and they would go from cubicle to cubicle, basically sexually harassing women along the way, um, which is disgusting, to put it mildly. Like, how, what, I, I can't even imagine working in a, like, I've worked in places where their ethics were questionable, but what? You're like one of the biggest video game companies in the world, and this happens? How does that even happen? Yeah, um, I, I, I shudder to think of what else possibly may have gone on that wasn't reported. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this isn't even it. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Um as well as this, uh, male employees would come into work hungover, like proudly so hungover, and playing video games at work while female employees were left to pick up the slack. Mind you, these same female employees who aren't being paid as well as these male employees who aren't doing shit. You know, the male employees are apparently were making like sex jokes and rape jokes and just all of this like childish bullshit while they were fucking off. Um, also former senior creative director, Alex 
Afrasiabi, he would uh, touch and sexually interact with female employees while at BlizzCon to the point to where supervisors would have to, quote, intervene and pull him off. Um, apparently, this happened a lot at BlizzCon, which is their, like, Blizzard's uh, conference where they reveal, like, new games, talk about updates for current games, all of that sort of thing. It's basically Blizzard's E3. Um, and his suite during the event, the hotel room he stayed in, was nicknamed the Cosby Suite for obvious reasons, after Bill Cosby. Oh. So, that's disgusting. Like, the fact that that was, op that, that was openly nicknamed that is... Yeah. Like, it, it was a running joke within this studio. Like, people knew this. And... And for the longest time, he still worked there. He still worked for Blizzard. They just moved him around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and you see that happen a lot with a lot of these studios. Like, they'll get a slap on the wrist, and then they'll they'll get a promotion, or you know, or a lateral move. Like, it's wild. Yeah. Um. I I I don't understand why. I mean, I I do understand why they they don't do anything sooner about these guys they're they're powerful men who mm -hmm. are are dictating the you know economic well-being of thousands of people number one and who are are generating profit for a bunch of shareholders these people who work under them are afraid to speak out for fear yeah. of, of losing jobs in the industry or uh you know being you know, losing anything, basically. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's it's just... I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to, to be a woman or a person of color in games or movies or television or even my current industry, news, to be honest with you. It, yeah. It's... It's disheartening and disgusting. It just shows you how so deeply ingrained this culture is and how long it's been like this. If these things are just so normal, if it just happens, it's so many different places across the world. Like, it's been like this for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's good that, like, we're starting to acknowledge it more and you know starting to like at least certain institutions holding people accountable to this sort of thing but come on i mean it should not be happening anymore we need these companies to hold themselves accountable we need people in charge to hold their leadership accountable like people the first time this kind of shit happens Heads need to roll, you know? People I, need to be fucking gone. I think part of the problem is that gamers are the worst fucking demographic of people yeah. I, have, I have ever had the misfortune to be associated with. Yeah. And I was a Rick and Morty fan when that Szechuan shit happened, you know, at McDonald's. <laughs> I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't go go to McDonald's and try and get the sauce, but I, I was watching a show when it happened. And yeah. I, I very... I, 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 I don't understand why 
for some reason, video games in particular seem to have such a deeply ingrained level of misogyny and like sexism and mm-hmm. like this this fucking like incel vibe basically yeah like, and like i think it it honestly it comes back to people who have been th- this is my personal take on it anyway i think it comes back to people who have been in the industry for so long and they hail from a time of back in the 80s like the huge boom um you know 80s early 90s when it's just like that tech boom and it was kind of like the wild west of tech and with games and everything like that and it was mostly just dudes doing this shit you know and it was all like coke fueled just fucking parties all the time and just a bunch of nerds who had never gotten attention like from anyone before and now never before and now they have more money than fucking god at these times you know they're driving you hear about like uh the dudes who like john carmack and uh and uh and who, who why can't i think of his fucking name the other doom guy how they made so much money at that time making doom that they were driving around in like ferraris and shit and lamborghinis and it's just nuts like they were making it was children doing coke and making more money than you can possibly imagine to make video games you know and i feel like that culture from those people who are in those leadership positions it i don't think it ever really went away and you know i think that's only part of the problem definitely because you do have other people other ceos coming in who have been with other companies and then this shit is still happening you know so i don't know this uh the the why it's way above my head and and you know and on and back to the story at hand too like that wasn't even all of it i've i put off even reading this last bit because this is the the absolute worst um it's the most disgusting well also like also um i also forgot to mention like apparently um like uh, people of color at the company were harassed more as well like not only just like sexually but like say if a woman of color uh, wanted to put in time to get time off, they in particular would have to write out like a page long reason of why they needed the time off versus like other employees didn't have to do that sort of thing. It was like they would just submit their request for the time off and that would be that. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't Fucking understand. Ridiculous. Yeah. Or like a, a woman of color takes a break and then she would be checked on by her supervisors while her male coworkers were off on work time just playing video games. I don't know. There was it, a, I don't another instance where women would be kicked out of the, the lactation rooms so that yeah. men could hold meetings in there. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Fuck, man. Like, like they're Jesus clearly Christ. going. They're clearly like going in there just to fucking kick her out like fucking yeah. white bro like ah, it's yeah exactly so frustrating like um yeah. and just this this last one that at least i have written down um which is just devastating and horrible um apparently one female employee even committed suicide during a business trip um she was i guess she had multiple um like she had a sexual relationship with her a male supervisor and this male supervisor brought butt plugs and lube with him when they went on a business trip together and apparently she 
uh, ended up committing suicide. I don't know if it was on actually. Yeah, it was that business trip, that mm -hmm. business trip. Um, they ended up finding her in her room. Um, and then prior to her suicide, she was obviously dealing with um, harassment within the company as well, because pictures of her vagina had been circulating the office, um, specifically at a holiday party. So, you know, this dude who she maybe had a thing with, maybe she liked, um, she had a sexual relationship with him. Clearly this guy, like, or someone within the company just shared around these pictures. And it's just, it just speaks to such a massive, deeply disgusting, dark culture within this company. And yeah. it's, it's horrible. It's, it's disgusting. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what more we can say that you can't read about in this this lawsuit. Um, I I hope fucking Activision Blizzard just. I hope the people in charge are held responsible. I hope they. I hope they clear clean house, because it's it's not right. I I would like to see some of the people in charge hopefully charged with some sort of crime for yeah enabling this sort of behavior but i yeah. i'm not holding uh, my breath for that no no i'm not yeah. it'll be the hr people if if anything that get charged with something like that or people lower on the totem pole but the well i mean the guys H up top hr is just there to protect the company they're not there to protect the workers yeah exactly if you're listening just so you know hr is not your friend they're there to protect your your bosses they're not there to protect you mm-hmm Sorry, yeah. No, um, oh. I think that's. I don't have a whole lot more to talk about this sort of thing. Um, I did write down some questions like, why is the industry like this? How do we prevent and resolve things like this? Stop. Why is the culture so anti-female and anti-worker? But I mean, we've kind of already touched on to that. I mean, anti-female and anti-worker. That's like that's been capitalism <laughs> since, yeah, that, that, since its beginning that's capitalism i think video games more so because it's for so long video games were an outlet for people who felt um like they were outcasts of society you know and then yeah. you know I'll, inevitably some of those people get into positions of power and abuse it and um yeah. and i i think that video games also there's there's just such gross fetishization of women in video games in general mm -hmm. that i think that permeates a lot of a lot of dudes uh subconscious maybe and and just i don't know makes them pieces of shit for lack of a better term i'm so, i'm yeah. very i'm Every time I, I read this report, I just get incredibly frustrated. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to talk about and it's hard to formulate like a coherent, like emotional response to this because it is so emotional. Like I feel a lot when I read about this shit. It's just it's infuriating. And like like I was saying earlier like I've worked for some good good companies with decent policies on you know making sure 
you know, everybody was taken care of, at least, you know, didn't feel uncomfortable to show up to work, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I've also worked with some companies that weren't like that, but fuck, man, nothing like this. Like, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And I'm a white dude. Like, if I was a woman or a woman of color, like, working at a place like this, Jesus Christ, right? I can't even imagine. So... I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I've like, look, I'll be the first one to say that I've not always been like the best employee. I've definitely come into work hungover and spent the time playing video games. But I yeah. like, I, I've never, like, I've never done any of this shit, man. Like, you know, yeah. I've, I've, I treat everybody that I work with with respect. I'm maybe don't like all of them and you know i'll maybe when i'm out with drinks with my other co-workers my friends you know we'll shit talk them or something like that but you yeah. know we Normal will never employee shit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know and and i I'll, i'd never go out of my way to you know make them feel like they weren't welcome in the building or anything like that though i mm -hmm. I, I can't even imagine no. doing something like that that's no like shit like uh i didn't even mention and i'm just now remembering it like them withholding um certain promotions or assignments because uh a woman was pregnant yeah. and they quote uh they said something along the lines of like she might enjoy being a mother too much yeah to want to come back into that assignment it's like what the fuck man like come on look man anybody anybody's going to want to prefer to hang out with their kid than work like for sure father yeah. or mother like that's fucking you ridiculous, can't dude. consider that shit when thinking about promotions or anything like that like you consider who is who is, would be good for the job yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who is the best person for the job yeah Ugh. anyways Moving on. Dark week. It's a fucking dark <laughs> yeah, week, man. It's been rough. And more news of this is going to trickle out, I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Activision Blizzard's already given kind of very blanket response to this, which is, I honestly think is kind of a shitty response as well, which was something along the lines of like, oh, you know, the DFEH, they're exaggerating certain claims or they didn't want to work with us, you know, to some extent. I don't know the exact quote off the top of my head. I just remember reading it and immediately being like, oh, fuck you guys. You know, what's this. You know what else is interesting? A lot of their um, social media accounts have gone dark since, have July, since July 21st. Yeah, that's the, the, the Call of Duty Twitter, uh, which is active, very active. Mm -hmm. Last post was July 21st um, of this year. So that, that was, I believe, the day before the... Mm -hmm the report came out uh, i wouldn't be surprised if they're scrambling it's an all hands on deck yeah. sort of thing i've seen tweets coming out from yeah same um, with o the overwatch account out. july 21st mm -hmm. is the last tweet so yeah. yeah there's been like um there's been reports coming out of like people from within you know the studios there the collective studios there saying that their projects are all frozen like yep. a lot of them are just frozen nobody's working on anything you got people still coming into work but they're not working on anything yeah. because like they are scrambling right now yeah. the state of california is coming down with a hammer on them and somebody is going to pay so this will be a very interesting one to revisit just to kind of see what's uh happening but honestly um these kind of lawsuits last uh they take a long time yeah 
and I Activision's mean, probably going to drag it out for as long as they can. The investigation took two years. So, yeah. I mean, that, that alone should tell you how long the, it's going to take until we, we hear a resolution from this. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a long time. Um, so, yeah. Moving on, let's try to get into something a little bit lighter. No, really, no real good transition away from that. Um, it's just my heart goes out to the people working for Activision Blizzard and for Ubisoft Singapore. But something a little lighter. I wish all of those people nothing but the best. Yes. And I hope all, and I hope all of you find better employment opportunities soon. I really and do. I hope that you and your families are safe and happy and healthy. <laughs> So next, when do we let a series die? And Jordan, I think I'm going to kick this over to you and let you lead the topic here. Um, this was your idea. We were we were thinking about running with this idea a couple weeks ago uh, when we were starting the podcast. We had so many different ideas that we wanted to do and uh, just not enough time. So why not do it now? We're, this is a podcast full of depressing things. When do we murder a series? Yeah, it's already <laughs> the darkest week, so... Um, so I think that there are a couple of natural conclusion points to series. I think the first obvious one is when, when the narrative arc of the series concludes. Yeah. When, you've, when you've told the story that you want to tell... And you, you feel like you've told a complete story. You, you should put it on the shelf. You should let that sit. I don't think you need to keep going back to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the other ones is when a series sells really, really bad, like to the point of you almost have to shutter your studio. I think that, you know, it's kind of time to, to cut your losses at that point. Yeah. And I think the other one is, and I'm, I'm probably going to get flack for this, but when you really, really miss the mark in a series, mm -hmm. I think that maybe that's your cue that it's time to hang it up. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I, 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 having just recently played through all the Mass Effect games refresh my mind, and this is now the third week in a row I brought them <laughs> up, but it's, it's part of the reason that this, uh, this topic was, you know, why I thought of it is, they they did the trilogy. The trilogy stands on its own, regardless of how you think, what you think of the ending of three, whichever mm -hmm. ending you got. The trilogy stands, holds on its own as a great trilogy of games. Andromeda, even though it doesn't really connect, it only you know sort of connects to the the trilogy. It it misses the mark in a lot of ways, and I think that. It does so because it is being held up against the weight of the entire trilogy. And so that's what I mean by when you when it's yeah. time to let a series die at a certain point when you've when you've reached the narrative arc. Because once you've completed the story, any time that you're gonna try and go back and and expand on it, you know, I feel like nine times out of ten, you're not going to do it justice. There there are a, a few occasions where you know people go back to the well years after the fact and they mm -hmm. they do it good but i think and so on on the topic of going back to it you know like mass effect you know they already had the trilogy they told that story that story is contained and it's ended 
Um, and they could have just ended things there, but then Andromeda comes out. Mm-hmm. And that, by and large, was a flop. Even though, like you've explained before, um, it's because it's like inappropriately compared to like the trilogy as a whole right. rather than just the first game. And then the, the um, U-turn reaction to that is, okay, mm-hmm. we're going back to the Milky Way. Like, we're bringing back Liara. Yeah. She's looking for Shepard. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it's because it's what people know. People people generally know that that's the one that works, so let's do that. But I feel like if they were going to reboot it and introduce new characters like they did with Andromeda, they should have stuck with it. You know, that yeah. first one was a flop. You know, it didn't work out very well. Learn from that. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing that forward with the next one in that, you know, new trilogy or whatever you want it to be, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know hold fast what your belief was in that new iteration of the series you know instead of just be like oh no it didn't work we're done with it do you remember I, do you remember a couple years ago guy Ritchie came out with um that that king arthur movie with uh charlie hunnam the guy who plays jacks in sons of anarchy i i never saw and, that i can't i can't think of what that I can't think of that movie. Yeah, it's a, it's, I can't picture it. Go watch the trailer. Uh, what, what I'll tell you, though, is that they, they announced that movie, and then they said, this is the first in, like, a seven-movie series. We got a whole Jesus. plan, blah, blah, blah. And then it flopped, and they never mm-hmm. made any of the rest. But then I read, like, what their plan was, and they were like, it's going to be, like, solo films for, like, all the Knights of the Round Table, like, and Merlin and stuff. And then, like, they're all going to come together, like, an Avengers-style thing. And it's like... <laughs> Dude, stick to your guns and do that. Like, yeah. So that's like, where money gets in the way of art, though. I yeah, feel like, yeah. I feel like that's where money got in the way of art, and maybe the same thing happened here with Andromeda. Money got in the way of like that vision for what that next game could have been. Um, but those companies, I feel like they, if they're gonna fund something, they need to have more belief in that thing, right? That it can work. It's it's what I call the Adam Sandler rule. You have to have like a, a set return on your investment that you can like mm-hmm. guarantee on. Like, yeah, I, I forget what I read something where like Sony allows Adam Sandler to make basically whatever he wants because they're like, they know that if they give him like this much money, they'll always make this much money off of him. You know, mm-hmm. like, so they're like, yeah, we'll give you, $60 million, we know we're going to make $150 million. you can take all your friends and family on vacation and shoot a movie, and then, you know, yeah. we'll distribute it. Like, <laughs> and, and so I, I really feel like that's why we keep going back to the well, is because it's this, okay, well, we know that this is what's going to sell, we know that this is what people want, like, I, you look at, at Halo 5 was the one where they introduced um, the new Spartan that you play as and stuff, right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, and then, you know, people hated that, and so they're like, ah, we're going back, we're getting Master Chief. Like, yeah, yeah. you got us, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, like, they basically, they kind of undid that entire, like, story yeah, for that, it, as far as I understand. And it it feels like, and I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that arc either, but I feel like that's extremely disrespectful to the franchise and to the writers, and like... Yeah, and, and to all of the people that did invest time into your story that yeah, want to see it believe through. that yeah and i yeah i i i would much rather i would much rather see games just 
finish the story that you want to tell, leave it as is. Mm-hmm. Quit going back to the well. And I, I know I said that one of the times where I think that it's time to let a game die is with really, really, you know, poor sales or, or it's like poorly received or something like that. But mm-hmm. I think that the, you know, the asterisk on that is like, look, if you've like, you've got an idea and you like really believe in it you know and you're what you're you're setting up is all of these you know things that you really think are going to pay off like i re- i really think that you know people should see that stuff through because yeah. i i think that it's important as someone who has who has you know made art like <laughs> mm-hmm. and, who it's it's really important to like believe in the stuff that you want to create mm-hmm. like even if like other people like don't necessarily can't see the forest for the trees you yeah. know like yeah like, it's important to finish that vision and but it's also important to realize or at least to acknowledge that you know if that thing doesn't work for people if people don't like it, it's important to acknowledge that also right. and then try to do something else. Right. Um, I, I, and I think that what you said, finish the vision is the most important thing because I think that oftentimes people are judging things off of, in you know, not having a complete vision of yeah. what it is. I think, and I, I, I definitely think it's much more interesting to like play a game knowing the development history of the game, knowing what it took to get that game made. Mm-hmm. You know, I have much bigger appreciation for movies after I watch behind the scenes stuff in movies and things like that. And I go, mm-hmm. wow, like, look, look at everything that they had to go through. Can't believe this got made sort of thing. Um, yeah. And honestly, though, like, I think people keep going back to the well, back to picking things that they quote unquote know will work or at least feel more secure in that is because it's game development is a very long and very expensive process yeah it's you know anytime a new ip is you know made and funded and released it's a huge gamble yeah it's a huge gamble gamble. huge and um not a lot of not a lot of big publishers want to take that risk mm -hmm. anymore even even you know a a company like Nintendo, who is, they are like the risk takers in the video game industry. You look at everything mm-hmm. from then 64 to the Wii to the DS, you know, to the Switch, mm-hmm. they, they take risks. They constantly go back to the well. Yeah. Like, they literally, The Legend of Zelda was the same game formula from A Link to the Past all the way up to Skyward Sword. Pokemon mm-hmm. is the same game formula from 96 to now. Like mm-hmm. Mario has essentially stayed the same for his, yeah. the, his entirety, but what they're able to do. And I think that this is really important is innovate. They don't iterate, they innovate. And yeah. so I think that that's the big difference. I think it's okay to go back to the well, if you can innovate and you can bring mm-hmm. something, you can bring something new back from the well each time. So if one time yeah. you're bringing me water, bring me wine the next time, bring me gold, bring me coffee, whatever like yeah (laughs) i I, like and that's that's something that i think that i love specifically about nintendo games is because they're able to perfectly mix that like 
warm, fuzzy, like nostalgic feeling with like mm-hmm. this exciting sense of like, this is all also really brand new and fun and like something I haven't, you know, done or tried before. And one thing that works with Nintendo games is most of them um, by and large are contained experiences. Yeah. It's that one game is that experience and it's not going to turn into like this trilogy mm-hmm. or even with like the Mario Galaxy one and two. And you don't really need to play one to play two. You know, you don't th- it, you don't need that. Or even They're just a lot of their franchises will have a one game per, per console life cycle. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. you know, they're, they'll say this is your Mario Kart for all of like the GameCube's life. You yeah. only get to play Double Dash, like you know, like that's <laughs> yeah. that's all you get. I'm not I'm not shitting on Double Dash, right? It's just my example, like. <laughs> but I, I I think that that's really important because, like, sure, yeah, they go back to the well, but they 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 do it in a way that makes doesn't feel oversaturated, mm-hmm. and has people asking when they're gonna go back to the well for other stuff, like. When are we going to get F-Zero? When are we going to get Earthbound? Like, mm-hmm. it took yeah. them 19 years to bring Metroid back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I think that it's different from... I, I look at a ser- an annual series like Call of Duty, and I'm like, this series can die. The series mm-hmm. can die now. Like, what, what is the difference between mo- the Modern Warfare, you know, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare that came out in, what, 2008? Mm-hmm. or 2009 when we were in high school and black ops 4 what is fundamentally different between the two games honestly like <laughs> really just like the mechanics of it are just slightly better you know it, it's just, like each iteration of it it just feels a little tighter yeah. and yeah and more modern because like a lot of those shooters are now just like they're faster you know so yeah that's that's from the the 360 yeah. to the xbox one to the uh <laughs> Xbox Series X. So that's three. And we've gotten what, like 14 of them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think of, think about how Nintendo would have done that. Right? Look at look at what they did with with Smash Bros. in that same time. In from they had it released for the Wii, the Wii U, and the Switch. Mm-hmm. And each time they were just like, all right, we're gonna make it a little better, and we're gonna give you more characters. And yeah. then we're going to tighten up all the mechanics. We're going to make it like more, com- the most competitive it's ever been, you know, like, because Melee plays way differently from Brawl, plays way differently from Wii U 3DS, plays way differently from Ultimate. So like, mm-hmm. I, I think that that, that is, that's where you can go back to the well and you can say, all right, like, this is good. Whereas, you know, again, the flip side is something you look at like Street Fighter, like how many different versions of Street Fighter 2 can we play? realistically yeah street fighter 2 street fighter 2 turbo super street fighter 2 ultra street fighter 2 turbo like ultra street fighter arcade blah blah featuring dante from devil devil may cry and knuckles like yep yep well okay so going back to your original question though then when when should a series die and i think i think we hit the nail on the head like pretty early into this conversation though i think it really is like when your series no longer has anything to say you know yeah and like what we were talking about with nintendo just now nintendo always has almost always has something new to say even with their existing 
franchises. It's because you know? what they have to say is, here's a new way to play. Yeah. Here's a new way to play something that you love. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to give you Mario, but now he can throw his hat, and you can be a Goomba, and you can jump on yeah. other Goombas and make a Goomba stack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. It's, a, it's amazing. Like, okay, yeah. we're going to give you, you, like, Mario, you're Mario. Now you're in space. Enjoy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I would say Nintendo, out of everybody um, in the games industry, handles it the best because they are the most willing to let a series go cold until Mm -hmm. they have an idea that fits that series justifies. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I will say, though, they they still aren't great at it because, you know, they. They just re released uh, a 10 year old game for $10 more than it was when it came out. Like, and it's yeah. actually because of the improvements they made to it, five hours shorter on average. <laughs> so, you know, I, there, there are definitely, they, they don't always hit the mark. I, no, I, I no. do, I, that needs to be said, you know? No. And, and I definitely think that, you know, not all of their, <laughs> their remasters and remakes have everything that you want the 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 one that i always look at but i guess this wasn't made i don't think nintendo directly handled this remake the majora's mask 3d remake have you played that um yeah i didn't i didn't beat it but yeah i played it so yeah in in that they they add the giant eye that pops up out of every all all the bosses as their weak point that like oh i don't remember that yeah there's there's a big eyeball that pops up that's their weak point that's not in the original Mm-hmm. and uh yeah i i for me that's that's just one of those weird inclusions where it's like this wasn't necessary you know yeah yeah, yeah. so i <laughs> they they yeah. don't or or you know i think i forget exact uh i think it's their nes online service the mario bros rom on there mm-hmm. is a rom that they pulled from the internet like <laughs> Wait, it's not even their own original ROM, <laughs> if I remember correctly. I think it's either the NES online or like the Wii U eShop version of the game. Like <laughs> one of them, but it, it's like that whole like, like shit. We deleted Mario. Right, like, fuck. Pull we a ROM go from the it. internet. Like it's like it's like that that Prince using a picture of Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince on his album cover kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like what are you gonna fucking do about it? You know. Well, um, well, since we were kind of on the topic of Skyward Sword, let's um, let's trans- transition over to the games that we're playing right now. Um, I'll, I'll kick it off here real quick. So I have been playing more Skyward Sword. Have you beaten it yet, Jordan? Have you? I'm very close. Um, I, I'm about 28 hours in. Okay. I, uh, where are you right now? I'm only about like seven and a half hours in. I haven't been playing it much more. Um, but I have been playing more and, uh, I, I'm almost done with the earth. Is it earth dungeon or is it fire dungeons? But the one that's in the volcano or whatever. I'm is like, it, I'm, your, it's your first visit to the volcano, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's the earth temple, I believe. Okay. Earth temple. Yeah. Um, 
I'm liking it more and more the more I yeah. play. Like the like you were saying before, like the dungeon design is so good. The temple design, it's so it, very, very good. It has um, one of, if not my favorite dungeons in all of Zelda, and it's got my favorite boss fight in all mm -hmm. of Zelda. And I'm very I'm very excited for when you get to it because you'll I I think you'll agree with me. It's just it's chef's okay. kiss. Uh <laughs> yeah. I, I I, I, I will say, though, uh, the areas before the dungeons, I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of the whole, like, tracking stuff down with your sword, whatever they call that. Oh, the dousing um, and stuff? Dousing. I do not like the dousing. It... Yeah, there's some other shit you're going to hate, too, if you don't like that. <laughs> I'm going to warn you right now. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. And, I mean, the controls haven't gotten any less clunky um as far, as far as like that translation of like you know controlling the sword with a stick sort of thing and then pressing the you know left bumper to move the camera have you tried the motion um, controls yet i haven't yet no yeah, no I'll, I'll i'll have to give it a shot i'll finish this dungeon first and then i'll move over to the, the motion controls but but um it, even that being said like the game and the temples and the puzzles are so well crafted that I don't mind a little bit of the clunkiness. Um, I don't mind fighting my way through it just because like it's it's got really good dungeons so far. Like I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm excited to see more. I um I think even more than the dungeons, it has, you know, Zelda has never been big on its story but i think that it's got the best story in any zelda game yeah. in my opinion um because of the way that it characterizes zelda more than anything and i think okay. that the way that she's written is is incredibly humanizing incredibly endearing it makes you really care about the character in a way that i never had in any of the previous games and still mm -hmm. didn't in breath of the wild i'll be honest yeah. i did not care i didn't care about zelda in breath of the wild the memories didn't make me care about her I'm not one of those weirdos on the internet that like, you know, the, I, I always see that meme of like her bent over and people are like, Zelda's thick or whatever. And I'm just like, why are you all? <laughs> why are on? you like this? Why, why, why? <laughs> why are you attracted to video game characters? Like, <laughs> it's weird, bro. Oh my God. But, um, but I, I, I've I, also, sorry, go ahead. Oh uh, yeah. I was just going to say, I, the way that, that the characters are all written in this game, I think is, is absolutely top notch. I really hope that that's something that comes back for breath of the wild too. Um, mm. and I, I really, I understand that they couldn't do as much story stuff as they wanted in the first one because of the open world. Yeah. And so I've, I hope that they've learned how to tell a bigger story, how to implement some of this really great level and dungeon design into, you know, breath of the wild too. And even I was reading something about how the overworld, the, the space in between dungeons, is a really kind of designed like a, it's supposed to be designed as a dungeon itself. In that you're exploring yeah. this area, and then you come back later and you unlock more when you have new tools and things like that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting out of it too. Because I had that same exact thought. It's basically the dungeon, and like I saved my game in the middle of like that pre-dungeon area. Yeah. Um, while I was doing that, and then when I jumped back in after a couple days of not playing, I had thought that I was like in the dungeon because its format is so similar to mm -hmm. that. You yeah. Know, of being in one of the temples. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, it's a great game. It's it's a lot of fun. 
controls are still not my cup of tea, but um, I just I get so much satisfaction from the puzzles and from oh the dungeons God. that it's I it's very good. I'm I'm I also I don't understand. Apparently, this the HD remake has an 81 on Metacritic. The original on the Wii has a 93 and is rated as a must play. And I understand that that's that's you know a product of the times and stuff like that, but yeah. like. Call the, this is the definitive version of the game. Call this one yeah. a must-play, not the other one. Yeah. Which I I looked, the only, out of all the, the Zelda remakes, which so far we've gotten Skyward Sword, Link's Awakening, um, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, and Wind Waker, the only two that, the only two remakes that are ranked on Metacritic as, as must-plays are the Wind Waker HD remake and the uh, Ocarina of Time 3DS remake. The originals for all of the other games have higher scores than the mm. remakes. Um, I think that that definitely has to be a product of like... Just when those reviews were written, that yeah. sort of thing. You got newer, you got different people reviewing the remakes and... Yeah. yeah, it's just a product of that. Like, time has passed, and they're probably, maybe some of them are taking into consideration, like, um, more modern mechanics, where some of those games don't really have those. That, and, and Nintendo's never been strong visually uh, mm -hmm. in, in really any of their games, you know? So, I, yeah. and outside of Wind Waker HD, I, mm -hmm. you know, the, a lot of the remakes definitely show their age. Mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time not as much either because they they rebuilt a lot of the assets to look yeah. look a lot cleaner. Um, so I think those two, probably though that's the reason those two are, are highly rated is because Wind Waker's art style translates so well into HD that you don't you don't have to change anything you know. Like, yeah, yeah, it really does. And that game is just the best. Oh my God, I'm gonna go play it. Well, I've also been playing. So I got two more. Um, We'll spend a little less more time on these, but I've been playing, and I recommend you check it out. I think you'll really like it, Jordan. Uh, Death's Door by a small indie studio called Acid Nerve. Um, so this studio, they've previously previously made Titan Souls, um, which was basically kind of like a one-hit death boss battle game. Um, and it had this really kind of cutesy indie art style, great music, um, and you had like... You had a a single arrow, and then that was how you fought all of these different bosses. And it felt very like kind of Dark Soulsy, but with with like cuter graphics, sort of thing. And this game is more of like an isometric action adventure game in a similar vein of like a 2D Legend of Zelda game. Okay. Um, it's very good. I love it. Um, it has wonderful art design. Uh, the art design's a little Studio Ghibli, a little Tim Burton at times. Um, Tim Burton in some of its like more monochromatic like stages. Um, the game's levels are very like moody, and the color scheme is very like kind of muted, but it doesn't feel like at all like oppressive or anything mm -hmm. like that. It still feels um, still feels fun and welcoming um and i mean some people are throwing around like the phrase of like for what this game is like dark souls meets the legend of zelda which i don't necessarily agree with that it does get tough at certain parts 
and some of the boss fights kind of do resemble more so like the Dark Souls because there is a lot of like rolling and slashing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of like timing dodging. and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, it's got great puzzle pieces. Um, and the and some of its like level design is more closely related to like the Legend of Zelda. Um, and it's got a fantastic soundtrack. It's it's so very good. Um, this guy David Fenn, um, he's he's a great video game composer. Um, just a great musician in general. I've written about him previously. This was a while back, but um, after I first heard him on Titan Souls and his uh, music that he did there, I just was obsessed with his work. He's also done music for um, Titan Souls, this game. And Moonlighter, which was also a really fun um, indie game um, that I recommend you check out. But yeah, uh, I've been playing that. Death's Door. I really recommend that. I think that's out on Xbox, consoles, and PC. And I'm playing it on Steam right now. Should have ended with Death's Door so that we could have started and ended. With <laughs> yes, with our theme of death. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Last thing <laughs> I'm going to mention, though is and i'm only going to briefly bring this up um alba a wildlife adventure and i wanted to bring this up i haven't been playing it too much this week but i've been playing it a lot in previous weeks um, and i just forgot to even mention it but basically it's a um adventure game that takes place on an island and it's like a contained open world ish because you are on like on a smaller island mm -hmm. um and you go around taking pictures of animals you take mostly birds, but you go around, you taking taking pictures of these animals and you're like, you're like cleaning up trash, you're um, repairing like park fixtures and benches and stuff. And like you're trying to uh, re uh, just kind of rebuild the natural park that's on this island and prevent it from being overtaken by like a, a resort hotel sort of thing Sounds awesome. but it's so pleasant and it's so much fun just going around picking up trash taking pictures of animals trying to collect like all the different pictures of all the different animals mm -hmm. and it has me it has me like wanting a pokemon snap game like this where you just oh. run around an island taking pictures of pokemon and doing other little tasks along the way that'd be amazing i would i would love an off rails pokemon snap yeah that, that sounds wonderful yeah um really great little game it won like uh best game at the games for impact or not games for impact uh because that's that's a game of the year thing um i can't remember what it, it was like games for change or something like that it won game of the year um really cute wonderful experience just a pleasant a pleasant experience <laughs> if 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 life's got you down and all of this just the the daily humdrum is is just getting to you. Just put on Alba and you'll have a good time. All right. It's probably good that you that we talked about this game last. If it's this pleasant. <laughs> well, I do want to hear what, what you're playing. Uh, I, I am playing a lot of Skyward Sword. Oh, okay. Uh, mainly, mainly, mainly Skyward Sword. I have I've almost hundred percent of it. Um, oh, okay. I've got I've got one piece of heart and one goddess cube left to find. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um uh I'm I'm near the end. Uh so yeah, I I there's there's a section near the end where you have have to do some stuff around the the world before you can get to like the final dungeon and I'm at like the tail end of that. I'm trying not to mm -hmm. spoil it for you cuz you haven't played. Um and I'm I'm not a bad friend. I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't just do that. Uh I've been playing a 
uh, a lot of that. Um, Mario Golf as well. Uh, I spent a bunch of time the other day. Me and a couple of my buddies were playing Ultimate Chicken Horse, which okay, yeah, that yeah. that game is so stupid and so fun, <laughs> and yep. I love yep. it so much because we're just sitting there and we're. Yep. You know, you're putting beehives and like automated yeah. hockey sticks and like flamethrowers everywhere. And like, I adore stupid games like that yeah. where they're just like, they know what they are and they are that thing so extremely well. And, yeah. and then you can just play it like exactly. with friends and stuff. Like, <laughs> and like the, the characters, it's like, do you want to be a raccoon? I don't know. And it's like, all right, you could switch a raccoon to a red panda and he can wear a hoodie and a crown and you're like i want to do this and they're like how about you be a snake wearing a scarf on a hoverboard and you're like this game's fucking Good awesome like, right yeah it's it's super cute it's super fun um so yeah i've i've really really been enjoying that uh i that's something that i kind of play um just every now and then me and my friends will be like let's get a couple rounds of that in but really lately it's been a lot of uh Skyward Sword, which I'm I'm loving and it's making me want to go back and play. Uh I just texted my buddy right before we got on uh this call and said, Hey, can I borrow your 3DS so I can replay Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask <laughs> when I finish this? Um But Mario Golf is really cool. I want I want more courses and more game modes to come out for that because I've already mm-hmm. I've I've played all the courses. Um I haven't gotten all like the superstar clubs or, or anything because I don't want to grind that much but i did beat the adventure yeah. mode i really enjoy it though and then other than that uh played a bunch of D yesterday uh i dm a, a session like every other week and my my party almost had a tpk last night the only reason they didn't is because on like the first turn of this battle the uh the boss they were fighting rolled and dealed like 90 damage in Jesus. like on the first <laughs> turn and I, I looked at the dice and then like looked up at like my player and was like you take 42 damage like cuz i like i'm not i don't want to ruin everybody's fun you know they're yeah. they're fairly new players and like i'm you know i'm having fun playing with them so like you are a powerful but forgiving god yeah and uh, my problem is like i try and put them in positions to like not have to fight things but one mm-hmm. of my players his his like flaw for his characters that he always just says what you think you're fucking better than me? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I so love anytime, it. Anytime someone is rude to him or something like that, he just hits him with the "Oh, you think you're fucking better than me?" But the the, the problem with that is that he's like got the highest persuasion and like in the party, so he's always the one talking to people and shit. And then like they say one thing to offend him, and he's like, you think you're fucking better than me? I pull out my sword. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I gotta say, uh, like... That makes for a good time, though. But, like, his commitment to the character, more than anything, <laughs> like, I, I love it. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, and it, that's part of the reason I don't want to kill him off, is because I have a lot of fun <laughs> watching, like, the shenanigans that they get themselves into. Like, yeah. And knowing so that, good. like, like... The only way that they get out is that I, I literally just like deus ex machina them like out of situations <laughs> and then tell them after the fact. And they're like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, we, we should have <laughs> yeah, died right there. Like, but they're OK with it. Like, it's totally it's great. I know a lot oh my of God. I know a lot of DMs like to like kill their party and stuff like that. Um, but these are my friends. So, you know, like yeah. I, 
I don't want to ruin our good time. Like, yeah, you you want them to come back and keep playing. <laughs> plus, you know, like this this stuff costs a lot of money, man. Like, I don't. Yeah. Wanna, I'm not. I'm not ready. <laughs> I haven't gotten my like time dollar investment done yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got like 20 hours to hit before I feel like I've gotten my money's worth. You know, like you gotta buy. I mean, dude, you gotta buy minis and maps and books. I, you don't have to, but I want to. Yeah, yeah, for the full experience, yeah, for man. sure. Well, awesome. That's been the show. Thank you guys again for listening. This has been Backlit Games, a weekly video game podcast. You can find us anywhere podcasts are sold. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 4 You can find Jordan on Twitter at Jordan is Rad. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Backlit Games. Um, you can find... I just created a Instagram, though it hasn't posted, uh, Backlit Games. so you can find it there um that's been the show thank you so much for listening and we're out